Hello, and welcome to the Artcast, your fortnightly arts review podcast brought to you by Laura Leonard. Hello. Kazmari. Hello. And me, Vicky Kosmalska. So I'm afraid not as previously billed, we're not actually talking about the Morag Keel this week. We're talking about Tracy Emin instead, which is a free exhibition on at the White Cube in Bermondsey until the 7th of April. It's called A Fortnight of Tears. Now, we'll, well, we'll get into this in a moment, but uh, we've had quite a mixed reaction mm. to the exhibition this week from Team Artcast. Just divided the cast. Yeah, indeed. It's going to make for some interesting chats in a minute. But um, before we get into that, just to warm us up a little bit, what artist do you guys love to hate so for me it has to be Renoir I mean oh dear impressionist in general but most of them are bearable but Renoir it's just I think it's the the kind of extra saccharine sweetness of those children yeah. that he paints relentlessly <laughs> like why would anybody want their child painted yeah, by so him yeah and they all have the exact same face yeah. which isn't like fully formed it's like it's actually quite bloated yeah and, and it, they don't it, look very half well half the time he can't be asked. Yeah. it's just yeah. kind of like oh imp- he just really runs yeah. with that impressionist theme and just like ooh Girls just a swiggle here dresses. a swiggle there yeah exactly yeah. well there's a whole Instagram dedicated it called Renoir Sucks at Painting and the thing they <laughs> and take, he really does he really does um, and the thing they take particular issue with is the eyes they call them sharpie eyes because they often just those little like black coloured yeah. in like ovals <laughs> like just he's run bored. out of time yeah, yeah. colour it in that's fine that'll do job done how about you Vicky so actually someone who was an influence for Renoir got a bit of a theme yeah Fragonard um, I don't know him and that if well. anyone knows a, he's a Rococo artist French Again, very saccharine. Mm-hmm. Girls in flouncy dresses. Girls in flouncy dresses on swings. On swings in <laughs> gardens. like, oh, the whole thing is just so contrived and revolting. They are extra yeah. sort of romantic in a kind of like little girl. Yeah, kind it's of, kind of creepy. Yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. really weird. Weird. So um, I don't my... really know who he is, but from what you described, I hate him. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's not really your vibe. Oh, that's her. Oh my god, her face. Yeah. He does a really good job of making these people look unbelievably unattractive. Just what you'd love from a portrait yeah. artist. Pretty because grim. It's um, grim. Well, I don't I don't know the specific artist, but I really 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 dislike Byzantine art. I remember having to study it at school and I just found it so incredibly boring. Because it's so religious. It's not necessarily because it's religious. It's just, it's got a very stylized way of painting. The faces are quite expressionless. It's very two-dimensional. Yeah. Also, the oh, way... I feel a bit sorry for the Byzantine artists because they hadn't learned about perspective yet. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> they were just uneducated. Yeah. Oh. They hadn't got that oh, far no, you in their thinking. Feeling, feeling bad. No, I just... I think... <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, they're dead. They don't know. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> and also, if they were alive, they probably wouldn't give a shit what I thought anyway. No. Anyways, <laughs> I just, I find it really, really boring and I've got, I've got memories of going on art trips and kind of going through galleries being like when will the Byzantine gallery end and it's just <laughs> like not my bag at all so the genesis of all of this conversation um, stems from the fact that we were talking about our initial reactions to the Tracy Emin show mm. and it's been quite a mixed bag from the team here yeah Laura loved it so I thought that I didn't like Tracy Evans until I saw this exhibition and I really liked it I really surprised myself it's partly because well I, I love expressionist painting in general and this is expressionist it's very gestural it's very emotional um, there's, a, there's a lot of energy in those kind of marks that she's making on the mm. page and I really responded to that by also 
felt that she had a lot to say and it really spoke to me on that level as well. It's interesting because you've had quite a shift because you'd say like previous to going into this exhibition you didn't really like Tracy Emin as an artist. No and really I actually heard her interviewed after going to the exhibition and she kind of talked about how sort of prior to me too she was painting or making artworks on similar topics and people would review it and say oh here's Tracy Emin shouting about rape again and she was like well of course I'm shouting about rape I'm still shouting about rape it's still a you know, it's still a big good deal. Reason. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say that I think perhaps previous to this exhibition, I'd maybe been more in that camp where I was like, oh, roll, eye roll. Like, we've heard this before, Tracy. Whereas this time... I'd, Here she's making a fuss again, yeah. Yeah, this time it really... I, I mean, I haven't had that experience personally. I haven't had so many of the experiences that she's had, but her artwork really speaks to me because I've had... I have been made to feel like my body is a piece of meat sometimes and someone said something inappropriate or looked at me inappropriately and I feel like that kind of female experience is a shared experience and I feel like no one else at the moment is necessarily Mm. addressing it in the same way and I loved that there were men in that gallery looking at those paintings and I assume kind of with empathy putting themselves in that headspace and having a look at that narrative and thinking about how that would feel and that isn't something that mm. I don't think anyone else is really doing. So yeah. that's Laura making the case. For yeah. <laughs> I can hear, sort of see Vicky sitting up because you had quite a different. I so I had like reaction basically the polar opposite reaction. I really wanted to like what she was doing because of the themes that she's tackling, and the sense of loss and the sort of you know especially the loss of her mother and that female relationship mm. and that bond. And I wanted to feel that and also. I wanted to get under the skin of her experiences and and feel empathy for her. And there's, it's, I'm almost slightly disgusted with myself because I came away from this exhibition having heard her life story and the loss that she suffered, and I don't. And mm. I, and that kind of in myself is quite troubling. I don't think you need to feel disgusted with yourself at all because I think art is just such a subjective thing. And if yeah. it didn't speak to you, it didn't. Yeah, speak to and you. I, I guess. I think I want to like her for the subjects she's tackling, but I feel that her work is just so narcissistic and the way she talks about it is so self-consumed that I find it quite hard to engage with. On that point is why you need lots of different artists talking yeah. about the same subject, but when you get, it's problematic when you have, say, one female artist who's then the voice for all women because for some people she'll really resonate and for others she won't and that's but I don't think she is the voice for all like she's not the only female artist if we think about the exhibition that we talked about previously the Frida Kahlo and her experiences again similar themes miscarriage Mm. physical pain male relationships female relationships she as an artist spoke far more to me and I felt much more empathy towards her as an individual as a result of that. Yeah, and I guess that's... Then someone you like kind of, Emin. I think you were kind of sick, as yeah. you, that you, you, it sh- one side shouldn't all fit all, no. so you shouldn't feel bad but about yourself that you I didn't also don't think she's, I don't think she's the only female artist tackling... No, I know, but I suppose, I suppose it's the point I'm making is yeah. that they're like... It's why it's so important to have a plethora exactly. of people. Because there can be a habit particularly within feminism is like someone gets given the badge of they talk about the issues of a whole group of people that's why you need lots of different voices yeah and I don't think anyone is saying that Tracy Emin is the voice of females you know period she's not the representative of everyone but I think she's she's making female stories worthy of grand art in in a way that Frida Kahlo does too or other artists do too but that's a topic that I really responded to and the 
Frida, I think, was more... There were more female people looking at her work. I think the majority of people in the gallery when I was there from memory were female, whereas Emin really brings in a whole mix of different ages and She's such a big name, isn't she? As as a draw for any gallery. I would think I fall somewhere in between you guys. Because, I mean, I... I don't know a huge amount about her work as such, and I think this is the first time I've gone to an exhibition where it's only her work. She's not necessarily one of my favourites, but I thought there was definitely some really interesting work in there. And I, I really liked some of the kind of really personal elements of some of her pieces and how mm. intimate they were and getting insight into her character and her experience. She moves around so much. She's not in, you can't really put her in a box because mm. she kind of moves so quickly into something different or she might say something contradictory. And I feel like that's a really wonderful display of like what human nature is like. And I like that she sort of resists yeah. being defined. So obviously like a lot of this exhibition included a lot of paintings and she has a very distinctive, very gestural style how did you guys find that in terms of like her method of painting and the colors that she used well I absolutely loved it you can really see the emotion in her mark making and I love the fact that she did a lot of female nudes in that way so she's quite in the way that she makes her work it's kind of similar to Pollock or it seemed to me there's lots of dripping there's lots of splashing there's lots of gestural marks that she's making on the page and she's very often portraying a female nude very often herself and these figures these female nudes just won't be contained by the canvas they won't be contained by the limits of their own body they're being attacked left right and center or they're spilling out they're bleeding they're straining they're they seem like women who you know they're not your usual nudes that you would see on a canvas they're women who shit who cry who bleed who Mm. you know there's she kind of yeah Yeah. and she flips that kind of obviously the, the the nude in art history is such a pre prevalent recurring motif and we're going to go and see the renaissance nude next week and i'm sure <laughs> yeah, we'll see plenty yeah. there but i love that her women are not like that and i feel like partly it was the style that she renders them in that gives them this extra life force and this energy and so I, I yeah i loved it so laura's a fan yeah a big fan <laughs> and i think there's like interesting her style like she didn't necessarily plan out her paintings no. as a composition beforehand it was very much i've got the canvas in front of me yeah and it's mm. like almost it's like automatic writing but but, but yeah. painting, painting yeah. Um, and that kind of communication. You can see that it's an outpouring of emotion. And again, this goes back to my like sort of internal conflict as to why do I not respond to this? It is like an emotional reaction to something that she's trying to convey. But the flip side to that for me, I think, is it's such a large body of work. It feels quite repetitive. And to some extent, and I guess this is perhaps me being quite cynical, like thinking about the white cube as a commercial gallery space she's produced quite a large body of work and I guess ultimately I'm kind of just thinking have you just gone over the same thing time and time again to sell more work but I I think what I would say in response to that is that um everything in this exhibition was made in the last three years so for me it feels like a like yes there are elements of similarities between a lot of the works there's a lot of recurring nude motifs Mm. for instance that come through it but because it just seems like this huge outpouring in the wake of the death of her mother there's there is a similarity tonally with everything that's in there but it also what a prolific amount of work to produce in just three years so it's literally like floodgates opening yeah Yeah. for me it does seem very sincere and in a way that kind of gestural painting that expressionist painting is 
like arguably outdated and there's a reason why no one else is doing it I mean Pollock stopped in what the 60s when did he die 58 somewhere mm. around there and then you know Sheila and Munk who are also big references for her like back in way back in the modern era so perhaps it is this outpouring this, this sincere outpouring of emotion is, is perhaps counter to what we're used to we're used to art being very cynical very sarcastic very questioning or self-referential or ironic much more intellectualized rather than emotional but for me there is still a purpose for it because of the fact that it is showing I don't think I've ever ever seen an image of an abortion in an art gallery before or like it I just think it shows such different stories than what we're used to seeing so for me it does still have that purpose. I think the female motifs that she picks up on are really important and I think the way in which she presents them so to your point of you know the blood red paint that she Mm. used the way it drips like there are elements of her work that I like I don't know I just don't feel that sort of response to to the art it's the kind of connection i don't have that connection to it and and part of me is perhaps is a tainted view because i know the tracy emin of old and you kind of know the story she's such a big name it does feel like she's trying to engage with a different set of themes in comparison to her previous works and maybe i'm still seeing it through the eyes of you know, the sort of sexualized work of Tracy Emin of old, but I still see a lot of that in her. Mm. And I I think that's where the difficulty for me comes in all of this, because the themes that she de- she deals with shouldn't, in my mind, be sexualized like to some extent. Yeah, like the, it's but it just still feels like it is. She definitely blurs things. Like she like yeah. things seep into others, but I think that's for me that's kind of quite an interesting thing because actually mm, too, again it's yeah. that compartmentalization, like how it, sometimes it is not possible to kind of box things up. So yeah. I, and I think that maybe is also where she's potentially mm. challenging things of when she starts to blend things well, yeah. that we, like might not necessarily sit comfortably next to each other. Yeah, and also she's obviously very obsessed with her body. And, you know, she was raped when she was age 13. And so, you know, that, that taking of her body at that point must be so also sort of entwined in her mind with her giving of that body sexually as well. You would, like, it's the same body. But she's been quite openly about the power she felt like through sex like sex mm. is a huge thing and I think maybe that's so, yeah hence the kind yeah. of contradictions of it because it's the same body that's having these different experiences but yeah. what does it mean in, in different settings or with yeah. different partners or which brings me on to my like kind of next question because obviously um, Emin is really known as like kind of like the confessional artist and being kind of autobiographical like how does that sit with you we've kind of touched on it a little bit already but she really minds her own experience and puts yeah. it out there for the world to see I find it really interesting too and again you might kind kind of question how relevant it is in this day and age because the problem with selling yourself on your canvas or on, through your sculpture or through your artwork so entirely and keeping that so connected with your autobiography is that people then can people then only read it in the light of your autobiography or does it mean something on its own yeah does and it only mean anything it to mean something yeah it? i wanted it to mean something i wanted her work given the themes to have to feel universal i mm. wanted to feel like she was speaking beyond just for yeah. herself and particularly some of the titles reaction. she gives it are yeah. quite specific. So it's kind of like she's trying to perhaps own that piece of her history. And yeah. it's like, actually, then can I, as the viewer, take a different meaning from this or not? But on the converse side of that, I do think that you can. And But as, as Vicky yeah. said, it maybe perhaps didn't speak to her personally, but I felt like it, for me, kind of touched on elements of an experience that I've had 
through mm. life. And so, and therefore I did find it quite easy to relate to. And I guess because it is so kind of highly wrought and emotional, even the things that I haven't experienced, I felt that I could empathise with. But perhaps it just comes down to that yeah. stylistic, that the subjectivity of what style actually speaks to you, because we're not all the same, are no, we? No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's hard to put your finger on it, I think, mm. ultimately. Because she tackles issues that, as women, even if you haven't lived through it directly, as a female, you should be able to like, relate you know to you. Or you know someone. Or you know someone. Or yeah. there's, there, it could happen to any of us, basically. What I thought I was going to get from it is the sort of universality of, you know, women's experiences, I guess. But, like, because it's so personal to her and it's so autobiographical, I didn't get that. So I did from some pieces and I didn't from others. So one of her rooms, which was called like the Ashes Room, which was like mainly mm. small drawings. And that largely dealt with the death of her mother in 2016. Yeah. Mm. Um, and she made a lot of that work kind of after that. And again, not all of it spoke to me, but there was a couple of her drawings, which were again kind of really quickly done, quite kind of Quentin Blake-esque, yeah. like not very detailed. And there was one which I think was called Another Summer's Day Without You. And it yeah. was a, presumably a self-portrait of her kind of sitting in front of of a telly yeah and I think oh, actually, I quite like that one yeah as well. and I just thought that was a mix she like captured in that moment yeah. a kind of feeling or it's an everydayness isn't it yeah kind of mundanity yeah. of, of kind of grief of and loss, loss. Yeah. Um, no I like that one and that kind of realization of time passing and another day without someone significant so not all of the pieces spoke to me mm. but in that one I was like yeah. you yeah. have like somehow managed to capture something in it this is that very moment simple yeah yeah and like we were saying before story. we can't really expect her to speak universally for, for Come everyone. Come on, I mean, like, work. Yeah. you've got to appeal to everyone. But you would hope there'd be <laughs> yeah. something. And actually, I, I think you mentioned you really like yeah. the sculptures, and they're the things like that sculptures. really affected me as well. And so there yeah. are these incredible bronze sculptures. They're, what, like 10, 15 foot yeah. in size? They're yeah, enormous. They're huge. The scale's vast. I think that's um, really impressive, though, actually. Yeah, that from ability. Emin, the ability to turn her hand from, like, tiny paper sort of sketches that you've just described yeah. to these to huge works bronzes, of art. Yeah. And there really are impressive. two of um, nude females. They're quite sort of, like, primitively formed. Yeah. There's not really much in the way of features to show you that they're, they're female, but one of them's called When I Sleep and the other one's I Lay Here For You. And the way that she'd, like, pummeled the... Well, I guess she might have made it out of clay first mm. before yeah. she cast the bronze. And you can see the thumb marks in that pummeling yeah. of the flesh... And that really, like, made me think, oh, gosh, it's like skin crawling. It's like when you remember something that you, it makes you feel really uncomfortable, like when someone's touched you or in a certain way or something's happened to you that makes your skin crawl. That's the kind of feeling I got from it. Mm. And also the way that they were composed as well. They're, they end at the wrists and the ankles. There's yeah. no hands and there's no feet. So they're like little stubs, and they're almost kind of bound together like a carcass in an abattoir. And so for me, it felt very, like... That, that whole analogy of being a piece of meat. So when I said earlier about having felt that personally, like maybe not to the scale that yeah. Emin had, but they really spoke to me in terms of how I feel as See, a woman I sometimes. Felt, I, the thing that I liked about those bronze sculptures was actually that they felt more like universal than I think a lot of her artwork did. Maybe because it was sort of featureless, mm. but also they were sort of recognisable poses one is kind of curled up slightly fetal yeah and it looks like someone with bad period pain exactly yeah. and this is kind of relatable or when you're just feeling a bit like ill and shit they also like there's something quite sensual or yeah. like tender yeah and actually about the, the write-up in the gallery said uh, kind of sexualized them as well didn't it and you guys said you saw them perhaps yeah. in that light yeah definitely well. so I kind of found myself looking at like what is going on yeah. here and again that sort of 
oh, I'm not, is it this? Is it that? Like Tracy Emin kind of keeping yeah. us guessing and kind mm. of again blurring those boundaries, I think was really interesting. It feels like there's an undercurrent of sexualization throughout, which I found quite troubling given the themes that she's trying to deal with. And it just felt quite unnecessary to my mind. It, it's, it, it's just the two don't sit quite Oh, With Vicky, me. you'll always be our moral compass. I know. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the old crude. The old crude in, in the corner. corner. Yeah. Yeah, Keeping th- us on the straight and narrow here at Two Cast. I thought some of that was actually really interesting. So, for instance, there's a work that she called The Picnic, which obviously oh, which I think was, was a reference to the Manet painting, the uh, Dejeuner yeah. Celeb. Yeah. Um, she does a lot of old master referencing, actually. Yeah, quite which I really enjoy. I, f- I felt like she was revisiting these art historical tropes like just having a naked woman lying on a mm. picnic with a load of food as you know something else for the taking for the male viewer because that painting by Manny is one of the first things you look at as an art history student as, when yeah. you're doing yeah. A-levels and you think oh yeah that's a painting that's normal that's normal for a naked woman to be next to everyone else's clothes these sandwiches yeah. on the exactly and the men in the, yeah, that's yeah. a really important point that the two men who are at the picnic are clothed and the one woman is butt naked yeah so I love that she kind of brings that element of kind of sexualization into it but from a different perspective and kind of makes you think about it differently yeah i mean i probably agree with you on that point again we're like sort of looping that back to a point we've said before but it's sort of portraying them as not like delicate put together like contained it's very raw very angry it kind of repositions the control and the power to some extent in the hands of women because of all of those factors there's still a huge sense of vulnerability but it's an emotion vulnerability that's almost kind of internal. It's not necessarily the male gaze where this mm. comes from. Yeah. It's the fact that there's just an acceptance of female vulnerability due to emotions mm. rather than male gaze and the impact of that. Okay, now there is one thing that we, well, you two are definitely in agreement of, which was the insomnia room. So basically, it's a whole room that's full of 50 selfies that Emin took of herself whilst she was suffering from insomnia. Um, Mm. And they've all, they're all blown up kind of floor to ceiling. So when you step into the room, you are basically surrounded by lots of images of her basically looking at herself in her camera phone. What do you guys think? So she took them over the course of, what, 50 nights where she couldn't sleep? Oh, she really? She was suffering from insomnia. Oh, is it over an actual, like, 50 nights? Well, I don't period? know. I guess however many nights it, it yeah. was. Um, well, yeah. Oh. And she, I don't know. <laughs> over an undisclosed time. <laughs> and for me, I mean, it's the first thing you start with in the exhibition, and I was really disappointed with it because yeah. I just didn't really find it that interesting. Do you agree? I think the thing about it for me was they felt like bad sexting pictures <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know exactly Basically. what you mean by that yeah and they she's sort of pouting there's like a you lot do of when pouting. you take a photo of yourself you can't there's it. quite you a lot of boobies mm. and we know how i feel about that um there was kind of the whole like i'm sleeping with my eyes closed but i still managed to take a photo of myself yeah bullshit that i was just like oh it just felt so contrived i just thought it was really basic as well like it didn't it wasn't really very interesting at all it was like the easiest thing you could possibly do in that situation and i i would have loved it if she just got up and bloody painted that anger or painted that frustration, frustration. Yeah. yeah i mean i suffer actually, from insomnia myself and i know there's like a varying like sometimes it's completely liberating because you feel like you're awake in the middle of the night and everyone else is asleep and it's actually quite exciting really like, I yeah never feel do you know liberated. That? i do no, sometimes no. really yeah so it's like a whole like Scale of snap reactions. a photo, Laura. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that would. Yeah, go I, on. I think fundamentally that 
as with all selfies, they're just far more interesting for the person who took them than for yeah. anybody else. Well, they are fundamentally I think it just, but it points, yeah, I think that's the thing. It, it sets the tone for the sense of narcissism that carries on, in my mind, through the rest of the exhibition. Mm. You walk into that room and you're like, oh, God, it's going to yeah. all be like... Tracy Emin staring deeply into her own eyes. You see, I sort of, yeah, I, I got that from that room. I was like, oh gosh, what's, what's the rest of it going to be like? But actually, I think it framed the rest of it really nicely for me because I, I was kind of in this room of images of her in these kind of wakeful nightmares or suffering from this anxious energy that's stopping her from sleeping. And then I feel like I went through into the other galleries and I kind of saw actually what those waking nightmares were, what was going on in that head mm, that all those What might be keeping her up at night. Yeah, and that actually made the rest of it seem intensely private. So yes, still narcissistic. I mean, she's... And I think she might even, you know... I think she'd Embrace admit, that term yeah. herself. Yeah, exactly. She'd happily admit that that's what it is. But, yeah. but also very private and very, yeah, unforgiving of herself as well. I, but I think also, because a lot of her work as well, which is something new for Emin, is that now that she's in her 50s, like a lot of her work is concerned with ageing, passing of time, getting There's older, really, time running yeah. out. And I think actually those selfies is almost as a narcissistic act of her actually documenting, documenting herself ageing. And she's talked about herself and her plastic surgery and, to exactly. help her prevent mm-hmm. which she includes um, and I think she even yeah. in the FT podcast she said that she'll like looks in the mirror and she doesn't recognise who she is yeah. because you know she's no longer well the... I have to say if she's worried about wasting time then stop taking selfies babe because that's yeah. <laughs> that's one way to takes two time minutes there. mate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that as an interesting that, that I find also like a more interesting actually because mm. again one of the things that she talks about is you know she's 55 Childless, unmarried, has lost her mother. Has now lost her, her mother now hasn't too. Got a partner. Although she's, in the podcast she says that she's alone, but not, but not lonely. lonely. But and those being slightly separate things, yeah. and kind of coming to terms with her aloneness that she will probably never have children. She may never have a partner, mm. and there is something about how do you reconcile yourself with that to be then be able to move forward in life. Mm. And I think that's actually there's a lot of what she's wrestling with. In this, in this ex- whole exhibition, yeah. is her sort yeah, of and art no, kind agree. of takes that void for her, doesn't it? It yeah. means an awful lot to her. It's she says yeah. that about it. She said it's her partner, but I do agree with you, Vicky. I do think there's a fundamental narcissism there, and I think you know if she did have a partner or a child or even a mother, that you know a relationship which is two way. It might help her to deal yes, with that issue <laughs> exactly, rather than to keep mining the yeah. same. Yeah, I know what you mean. There is keep mining, but in some kind of form of like therapeutic practices, they sort of say that we all in our lives repeat and go back to some of the like major life instances that like form us. Mm -hmm. And as an idea of like actually in some ways we are all repeating and going back to some kind of key moments that kind of made Mm. us who we are. Um, and each time you revisit it, it might be slightly different. So there is something about that that explains, like, human experience. Yeah, absolutely. I guess what I mean is if you're in a relationship with someone, then you have to consider somebody else. You, Whereas true, if you're in a yeah. relationship with like, us, you yeah. don't have to consider yeah. Well, it becomes else. all about you. True. Yeah. yeah. And I think, point. Yeah. so I completely agree with that point. And I also think that she's got so far down that route now that she can't. Because, mm. you know, it was a conversation that we kind of alluded to earlier is that you know, we're in a commercial gallery space. She's worked with Jay Jopling, who is a really renowned art dealer. He's basically made her career, and she's made millions off the back of this. Mm. And the, the cult and the personality of Tracy Emin and the way that she sells herself. And I think that's kind of where I find the unease with this, is that she kind of, she minds all of her experiences and all of the stuff that she's been through kind of to sell 
to sell. Pain sells, mm, yeah. as uh, it turns out. I find um, that really unsettling. It definitely doesn't. It definitely it doesn't always sit yeah. well together, and I think that's. And I think, yeah. especially given the weighty themes that she deals with, it's mm. just a bit like, ooh. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously, artists do have to make money to live, but it, yeah. there is a huge discrepancy oh, yeah. between you know artists who are not making any money and trying very hard, and then someone like Tracy Emin who is a millionaire. Is a millionaire. And it's kind of like why one and not the and other. Take, take selfies that are considered art. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I just which leads on to my next question, which is, what would be the piece? that you would take home so definitely not one of the selfies from the first room I'm hearing mm-hmm, no definitely uh, but not if you those. as per like if you could take home one of the pieces add to your burgeoning collection now of artwork <laughs> so I don't know if I'd want any of them in my actual house because I do find them quite traumatic would it go in the yeah. basement with yeah. Johnny's artwork no 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 they're too good for that <laughs> okay <laughs> um, no maybe I'd gift them to a, ga- a gallery or something very but, um, altruistic of you I, I mean I absolutely love the sculptures so I think it might have to be one of those yeah, I think I'd take a sculpture. But definitely not the mother one. I found that the most haunting, I think. Did you not like no, that I one? I quite like that one. It's sort of, I, it looked to me like she was not holding a baby, but a fetus. <laughs> I you can't really quite... see what she's holding. No, I know. Yeah, it's kind I of don't... ethereal yeah. somethingness. It was, I guess, in the context of her um, the loss abortion of, yeah. video. Yeah. It just made me feel like it was more about loss than... I think, it, yeah, it's potentially about both. Again, mm. it's that unsettling, like, yeah. in in between. Yeah. Neither one thing nor another. Vicky, would you, what would you take home? I might pass. Okay. Maybe the fetal sculpture, but otherwise, probably nothing. Probably nothing. I probably would take home one of her small drawings, because I really liked their, like, intimacy and kind of, as, like, a snapshot. Probably the one that I described, yeah. the Another Summer Day Without You. I just mm. really liked that. It just, it captured quite a lot in a very simplistic drawing, which I think that would be. Mm. Go quite nicely with my collection. So now it's time for art news, Vicky. So um, a debate that's been raging for a while is the um, Sackler Family Trust, which you'll probably be quite familiar with. Um, You'll see in their name on the walls of many of our institutions, um, not least the new wing of the V&A. They made their money selling a drug called OxyContin. It's been heavily associated with the opioid crisis in the US. And they've come under a lot of media scrutiny over the last couple of months about whether or not institutions should be taking that funding from them. And there's been quite a lot of demos in our exhibitions. So the Guggenheim was experienced one of those a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Led by Nan Golden. Yeah, and and she's written quite a lot about it. She's been very vocal about it herself, having experienced the addiction um, that the drug induced. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. She, I didn't know that. There have also been quite a few institutions that have started refusing to take funding from Sacklers. And, yeah. and since then, they've actually announced that they're going to stop providing financing to institutions, which is a double-edged sword, right? Because a lot of institutions rely quite heavily on families like the Sacklers. The argument, I think, yeah. certainly, is that the money should be used to rebuild and help those people those people absolutely it'll be interesting to see how this one unfurls and if and when they are rehabilitated but also who's going to step into that space like where are these institutions going going to come get this funding from because it's money this is tracy emmons big chance to show 
has unnarcissistic. Yeah. <laughs> Laura looks optimistic, Vicky less so. <laughs> Somehow I don't see this happening. That kind of segues onto like our next news story, which is that it's been a pretty good year in the world of art exhibitions. Um, so the art newspaper has released its annual International Museum Exhibition Attendance Survey. That sounds thrilling. Your interest, mm-hmm. but it's got some stats in there, and we all know I love some stats. But basically, it's detailing the most popular exhibitions and the most visited galleries and museums across the world, and some current trends. Hot off the press. So, I feel like we should have like top of the pops music in the back. Da, da, yeah, exactly. Da, 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 da. What's number one? That's not top of the pops, isn't it? What is that? I have no idea, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? I think it's embarrassingly like the, is the 1970s like, like, top of the pops. <laughs> oh God, Laura. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so first of all, what was interesting, so the Tate Moderns actually knocked the British Museum off the top spot for the UK's most popular gallery for the first time in five years, which mm. is very interesting. And actually, we've been to the Tate quite a bit yeah. on the kind of course of this. Propping up their stats. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and like, like largely, they, uh, they think that's down to like the Picasso exhibition yeah. that was on last year. However, the Louvre is the number one most popular art museum in the world, and it's had kind of numerous records this year, including apparently visits went up by a quarter, which in part they attribute to Beyonce and Jay-Z videoing the music video for Ape Shit in the Louvre. In the music video, they're shot in front of things like the Mona Mona Lisa, Lisa. which is interesting. There's something really depressing about the fact that people only go to art galleries because... Beyonce and Jay Z were there. Oh, because they're like, oh, it's the painting from the Beyonce and Jay Z video, oh, rather God, than this it being so like, sad. oh, it's the Beyonce. I, I don't know. It I kind of liked it. In, I, th- I felt like in. maybe it made it seem a bit more approachable to people who were perhaps Beyonce fans, but not necessarily because Beyonce art fans. And they live Jay-Z a very grounded are lifestyle. Really grounded. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can have a private audience with the Mona Lisa. Like, that's but they, totally they're not your sort of typical art historians, shall we say? And I think so. that's part of what their music video was about. Is like they were going into the canon and sort of saying we yeah. are now part of it. And there's mm. like a lyric in the song that says, "I can't believe we've made it," and that is. I think them sort of claiming that space and saying mm-hmm. we've made it, which is interesting. Wow, talk about narcissism. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> Mate, do you want to, like, incur the wrath of the Beehive? Also, interestingly, the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery in Washington, um, a pair of portraits of the Obamas brought in an extra million more visits. So, mm-hmm. again, that's, like, really interesting how, like, Prominent it's names. all sort of cult of the celebrity, isn't it? It is a wee bit. But similarly, the V&A has had record crowds, largely due to Frida Kahlo. Royal, the Royal Academy has had a record year, um, partly attributed to Grayson Perry curating the summer exhibition. However, what do you think has been the top exhibition most visited of all time in the past year? Internationally. The world. Internationally, yeah. Oh, well, was it the Met one? You mentioned that earlier on the text. Yes. On the text. On the text. On the text. Fashion on the decks. <laughs> Gazma, are you talking about the I sent Laura a carrier pigeon two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, Laura's right because she's been reading in the text <laughs> I said earlier today. Uh, so Museum of Modern Art, Heavenly Bodies, which um, was uh, yeah, the Met Gala, yeah. which was plastered all over in- Instagram. And it had a whopping 10,000 visits per day. So if you wow. thought the Dior was busy, yeah. imagine what that must be like. It seems like the cult of the celebrity yeah. is alive and well. And actually the sort of the Met and the Met Gala and that association, it is all that sort of glitzy, glamorous ops becoming very glam. Mm. Mm. 
great. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, so this week we've been talking about Tracy Emin, A Fortnight of Tears at the White Cube Gallery in Bermondsey on until the 7th of April. So go and have a look. And it's our last episode of the series next. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. In a fortnight's time, we'll be talking about Renaissance nudes. So, uh, Laura's favourite subject. I know you might need a stiff coffee that morning. <laughs> yeah. need to get you I'm going to have to go in with wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Take your own like fig leaves. Yeah, class of the month, everything. Mo- no, modesty. I'd <laughs> <laughs> um, well, love it if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Our so art news us- will be like Vicky has been arrested for <laughs> the paintings. <laughs> Will you bail me out, Holloway please? Prison. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the nude should be free. Free to roam. Um, so, um, join us in a fortnight's time for the Renaissance Nude. So until then, if you've um, liked what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast. You can get in touch with us at helloartcast at gmail.com if you want to pen us a little email. Um, and we're on Instagram at theartcast, so you can follow us there and sort of see some snaps from our visits to galleries and last but not least special thanks to our long-suffering and very hard-working editor johnny leonard mm-hmm. and also thank you to, to nat wits nat wits for our fabulous jingle thanks guys bye see bye. you next week bye